Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Hello, friends. Welcome to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast. Today, we're going to change it up a little bit, and instead of publishing a conversation, which is the normal routine of this podcast, we will be featuring a message on the gospel of the kingdom that I delivered in a conference in the spring of 2017 in Alabama. And that message is part of the 20-session masterclass entitled Everlasting Domain, Restoring the Kingdom Message. And you can find the link to that masterclass in the show notes. If you're listening to this by YouTube, you won't see the show notes, but you can just go to insurgents.podbean.com to find the show notes of every episode. Now, someone may think, why 20 messages unveiling the gospel of the kingdom? Why an entire book unleashing the gospel of the kingdom? Isn't it possible to share the gospel of the kingdom in one message, in one article? And the answer to that question is... Yes and no. I think it's possible to preach the gospel of the kingdom in one blistering message. However, it will never be complete. And there will be so many questions that will not be addressed that the response will be piecemeal. And that is why there is the book and that is why there is the supplementary messages, 20 and all in the master class. And that is why there is this ongoing podcast which seeks to answer the questions that you have. One further thing. If you are on Facebook, I invite you to join the Insurgents Facebook page. The URL is facebook.com forward slash insurgents book. I hope to connect with you there also. Here's the message. I'm going to have to move like a blue streak here because I wasn't expecting to take up so much time with our singing. But I do want to reiterate something and that is we are cramming a week into two days and so there's an awful lot that that I have on my heart to say to you all regarding this whole matter of the gospel of the kingdom having a people who go on with the Lord and being the Lord's people in a way that transcends what most of us have understood so I'm gonna try to hit the high points there are so many things that come up, so many questions whenever we talk about the heavy matters of the kingdom of God. And let me say this to you. It's never good to hear the weighty matters of God's kingdom and not take action on them. And that's why I gave you that assignment last night to deal with what are really external things. That which is immoral, unclean, improper, stolen, addictive, idolatrous. Those are the things that we leave behind when we get to the entranceway into the kingdom. And we are resolute to go totally on with the Lord. But then there are the inward matters. And I want to touch on those today. And then when we come back to meet after the break 
we'll get into that a little bit deeper. I want everybody to understand that yesterday when I talked about the radical message of John the Baptist and the radical message of Jesus regarding the gospel of the kingdom, we ought not to conclude that that message is to lead us all to become isolationists. We're not trying to become Amish people that have nothing to do with people in the world. While that's okay to get away out into the wilderness for a season, we should not take John the Baptist's attire and his location as a model of how we're to live today. We're to take Jesus as the model. And he was with the people. He was called the friend of sinners. But Hebrews calls him one who was separate from sinners. So he was a friend of sinners, but he was separate from sinners. He did not embrace the world system. He was totally unattached to it, but he mingled with people in the world. Well, that's vital to understand. You know, John the Baptist, his attire, his location, uh, his presentation was an outward sign of what God was looking for inwardly. His outward appearance matched the message he was bringing. And then Jesus lived it out. And all who follow him do so as well. So we're not talking about becoming absurd looking and having nothing to do with unbelievers. But if I had to choose between Christians looking absurd and being lukewarm and placid and worldly, I would say go ahead and look absurd if you have to choose between those two. But we don't have to have that choice. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the inward aspects of going on pressing on to know the Lord and moving on into his kingdom. I want to come back and quote something I said last night, actually it was the scripture, and that was 2 Corinthians 6, come out from the midst of them, come out from among them, be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and be a father to you, and you'll be my sons and daughters. The Lord wants a people who are utterly and totally his own. And he's never had a great deal of people who were his own, and I doubt he ever will. So I'm going to read the first passage, 1 John 2. Do not love the world. This term here, world, he's not talking about the earth, and he's not talking about people in the world. He's talking about the world system, which is designed to enthrall you, enslave you, entice you, and engulf your whole life. What is the world system? Well, if anyone loves the world system, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, here's what it is. It's that which captivates people to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, which is materialism and greed and consumerism and the pride of life. These things are not of the Father, but of the world system. And the world system is passing away and all the lusts that are attached to it, but he, she who does the will of God abides forever. And then we have these two passages, these parallel passages in Luke and in Matthew. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John, since that time the gospel of the kingdom has been preached, and everyone is forcing his or her way into it. And the Matthew passage says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And the Acts 14, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. 
And finally, Hosea 10, verse 12. Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Notice the word, break up your fallow ground. It is through hardship that we enter the kingdom. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Have you ever been violent in your relationship to Jesus Christ? That's a strange question, but really it's not. There is a spiritual violence, and by violence, I mean a forceful posture, an aggressive attitude, a desperate, desperate drive. When the kingdom of God opened during the days of John the Baptist, people were pressing their way into it. They were taking it by force. They were violently pushing their way into it. And we have two illustrations in the Old Testament that kind of give us an idea of what this looks like or what it is. The Old Testament is God's picture book. So what was happening in the natural is a lesson, an illustration for us spiritually. One is Jacob. Here's a man who wrestled all night with God. And the scripture says he saw the face of God and lived. But he was wrestling with God all night and he wouldn't let him go. And his word to God was, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And Jacob's name was changed to Israel, which means one who struggled and wrestled and prevailed. And the word about Jacob was he wrestled with God all night and he prevailed. What was Jacob doing? He was taking the kingdom metaphorically by violence. He was pushing his way in. Another illustration we have is the land of Canaan. God gave the land of Canaan, this beautiful, incredible land, to Israel. It was the land of promise, and it was theirs. God said, the land's yours. But guess what? They had to take up swords and enter in violently and overcome the Canaanites who lived there. And so they took the land by violence. This raises all sorts of questions that people have, and that's another issue for another day. I want you to see the principle. God gives you a promise. God gives you something. The land of Canaan is actually a picture of the kingdom of God. But they don't just walk in. There has to be a violent taking of it. And I will say this, that if you have never been violent in your relationship with Jesus Christ, then the Lord is not going to gain that much ground in you. And if you're going to put off and cast off the things of this world that are seeking to enslave you, entice you, consume you, there has to be a violent casting off. And this comes down to a desperation. It comes down to an act of the will, trusting and relying totally on the Holy Spirit. Because as I said again, and I say it in every session, we're all a pile of failures. Nevertheless, we can go on and we can let the Lord have more of us by his mercy and by his spirit until he has all of us. But there must be a violent dealing, a violent dealing with certain things. So many of us Christians 
We never exercise violence in the things of God, and that's why we don't get very far. And when something, especially something, has a hold on you, that's the time spiritually to become violent with the Lord and to deal with Him in a violent way. Uh, I'll use an illustration. When I was in college, the ages of 17 to 21, I was violent with the Lord many times. And I was with a group of believers at the time. They were all a little older than me, and we all had hot hearts for Jesus Christ. And we wanted to know Him. And sometimes we have all-night prayer meetings where we wrestled with God over our lives. And sometimes we would fast, not eat a bite of food, just drink water, for no other reason but to press into the kingdom and to know more of Him and to give Him more of our lives. Uh, I've gone on one-day fasts, three-day fasts, five-day fasts, seven-day fasts, and beyond. We had times where we buried our faces in the floor and wept before God that He might take all of us, that He might deal with some issue in our lives. I had a friend, I remember times he would share how he was violent with the Lord over certain issues of his life, and he would put on shorts and go outside in the rain and just seek the Lord and give him his life, that Jesus Christ would have his life. There is a violent dealing of the Lord. Some people throw pillows, kick walls, beat the bed, throw their arms up in the air, raise their voices. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians that says, if we are beside ourselves, it is before God. There are funny ways that the Lord uses in our lives to get us. Funny ways that are just us and the Lord where we deal with Him, where we deal over matters of our life in a desperate way. I'm not talking about something that you try to do out of pretense. It's something that comes out of you and you say, Lord, I'm dealing with you over these matters. You're like Jacob. I'm not letting you go until you prevail, until I prevail by your power. Sisters and brothers, if Jesus Christ is going to gain all of you, there needs to be a violent dealing. And you know what those matters are. I want you to know, too, that I mentioned my college years. Well, I want you to know that I have been violent with the Lord many times since. I have been violent with the Lord in my 30s. I've been violent with the Lord in my 40s. So if someone is in this room or they're listening to this audio and they say, well, I'm just too old to be violent with the Lord. Sister, brother, that day hasn't arrived. And I have met so many believers that stopped in their walk with the Lord because there was not the violence in their heart. There was not the desperation. I spent a lot of time with Christian leaders. And boy, I can tell the difference pretty quick between those who have capped off. Usually it's because they feel they know everything. And they're ministering. And those who have hungry hearts. And those who have capped off, you basically can't tell them anything. They know everything. And if you share something with them, it's like talking to a wall. There's no registration or memory of it. Someone who has a hungry heart, and I'm talking about people in their 50s and 60s and even 70s, they're just well on away for the Lord. 
That's mercy. May that be true of me. I want to be well and away at 80 years old if God is merciful just as I am now and before. But those hungry hearts, and they're in ministry, and they're ministering to lots of people. They're so eager to learn. They want to know more. They ask questions more than they make statements. And may God give us hearts like that. But sisters and brothers, I don't know if you realize this, but right now the Holy Spirit is dealing with many of you in this room. And it is a beginning. And it will take weeks and months for Him to get more and more of you. And then there will be another dealing later on. Might be five years from now, I don't know. But let me say this. This is just a word of piercing truth. If the Lord is speaking to your heart to give your life to Him in deeper, higher, more complete ways this week, and you resist that, it will be much, much more difficult for you to deal with the Lord later on when He comes for another dealing. This is the time. As I said yesterday afternoon, history has put you in this room. And it's put me in this room. And the Lord is after all of us. And again, remember what I said. Everything I'm saying flows out of what you read in From Eternity to Here. The world is not running short out of lukewarm Christians. There's no shortage. The world is not running short of half-hearted Christians. There's plenty of them. Why not let Jesus Christ have this one? The world will get by just fine if you give just one, you, fully and completely to Him. You're not going to be missed. There's enough to go around. The world will get by just fine. But why not give one, just one, you, to the Lord? Totally. Even if it happens to be one of the rejects, that he would normally throw back in the pile, which I'm speaking of myself, why not give him just one? Why not say to the world, dear world, world system, I'm sorry, but I'm dropping out. I think you are going to get by just fine without me. I know you'll muddle through, but you can get by without one more. Sisters and brothers, let's be the world's dropout. And let's give Jesus Christ just one. And so I say to you, be violent with the Lord yourself. Deal with the Lord strongly. Deal with the Lord completely. And these areas that I've been talking about yourself, between you and Him, don't deal violently with your brother or sister. Don't deal with these things in regard to your brother and sister. Let your brother and sister do as they wish. The Lord doesn't force any of us. This is what's so wonderful about Him. You have control of your life. You can do as you wish. 
It'll just step back. So I would say that, Hugo, you deal with the Lord. Don't worry about Zach. Joseph, you deal with the Lord. Don't worry about Forrest. Vivian, you deal with the Lord. Don't worry about Caleb. You be violent with the Lord yourself. We will not force anyone else to do anything. Let them have their own. And you may know, oh gosh, you know what Frank talked about last night. Mm-hmm, well, let's see. This one's doing that. That one needs to deal with this. Mm-hmm. Sister, brother, let it go. You deal with you. The Lord is coming to take us. And may have mercy on us to take us. There's the passage in Acts 14 where it says, these are new churches that Paul planted, Paul and Barnabas planted, four churches in Galatia. And it says, their closing words to them were, we must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. In the passage that you have, the translation, it says, through hardship, through much hardship, we enter the kingdom. Now, what is that talking about? They were already in the kingdom. When Paul and Barnabas preached the gospel of Christ, they received the gospel of Christ. They were part of the new kingdom. They were part of the new nation. They were part of the ecclesia. They were already in the kingdom. Why is he saying we enter the kingdom, present tense, we enter it through much hardship or tribulation? It's because entering the kingdom of God is a process. I live near the Magic Kingdom. Has anybody been to Disney World, the Magic Kingdom? I know we have one here. You have? You have? Okay. Well, you know this, right? When you give the ticket to the attendant and you walk through that gate, you are in the Magic Kingdom, right? You're in it. But you haven't explored anything. Because that is a vast, large kingdom with many sights to see. Well, the kingdom of God is the same way. You give your life to the Lord. You trust the Lord. You're in. But you still have a lot of entering to go into. And that's where the glories are. And that's where the riches are. And that's where the, the treasures of Christ are in His kingdom. And the more you penetrate that kingdom, and the more you enter that kingdom, the more He has you. And then the more, God willing, if it's with other believers, the more the world sees what it looks like when God is king. And if there is a people of God, and there are around pockets of them who are totally and absolutely under the headship of Christ, and they've given their lives to Him, and they're pressing into the kingdom, then when the world sees that community of people, they see justice, equality, peace. They see no barriers of race, gender, social status. There's no man or woman. There's no rich or poor. They see a group of people who are taking care of each other. The very thing that all of our politicians are clamoring for and the conservatives and liberals are arguing about, the ecclesia, when it's operating as she should, that's where the kingdom of God is. When God is running the show. And you and I can be part of that, even in a microcosm way, even if it's with one or two or three. But there's so much in his kingdom that he wishes to unveil. But sisters and brothers, it takes violence. Violence to cast off those things that hold us back. And by the Lord's mercy, we can grab hold of that desperate spirit 
and push into the kingdom, force our way into it. And that's what's been happening since the days of John the Baptist. There's that passage in Hosea, break up your fallow ground so that the Lord may plant seed. What's fallow ground? A farmer has 500 acres. 200 of those acres have never been plowed. They've never been tilled. The ground is fallow. It's hard. It's been unused. It needs to be broken up so it could be seeded and cultivated. There are acres in you that have never been broken up for Jesus Christ. There's ground in you that has never been seeded for the Lord. It's never been employed or exercised. There's land in you that has never been tilled for the Lord. And the Lord says, break up your fallow ground. Let the Lord stretch you. Let Him break you. Have some dealings with God. Have some dealings with God alone. And while not dealing with any issues with brothers or sisters, get with a brother or sister, brothers, brothers, sisters, sisters, and come before the Lord and let Him deal with you. Let us deal with Jesus Christ so that He might have more of us until He has all of us. We talked about the external things yesterday. We're going to get into the deeper things today. We move from the externals to the inwards. Not only do we give our bodies to the Lord, we give Him our souls. What's your soul? That's your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, your will, your volition. How do I give my soul to the Lord? (laughs) God's mercy and God's breaking. If you ask the Lord to deal with your heart and you surrender to the fullest limits of light that you have and you ask Him to come and take your life, He will do it. And those areas that need to be broken up, He will bring brokenness into your life. And you may find yourself kicking and screaming, Mm -hmm. but it's okay because he'll gain more ground in your life. And you'll recognize that it's his hand doing it. So sisters and brothers, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I admonish you in the Lord by his mercy and by his spirit to be violent with Jesus Christ and let him deal with you and you deal with him until he has you. As much as your eyes can see, your spiritual eyes can detect at this point. And the second thing is break up your fallow ground. So the Lord may seed areas in your life that he has not yet tilled or touched. I'm going to end this meeting by doing something that I thought about this morning. But if you would uh, turn to Romans 8. We're going to start with 28. Now, I'm going to give you two ways to engage with the Scripture by way of an example. And I give this to you as an illustration, but also as a beginning, because you can take 
what I'm going to give you here. And in your dealings with the Lord, you can practice and exercise the same practice, the same, it's an exercise. Normally, when we read scripture, we read it. And to go deeper, we'll meditate on it, right? Well, here's yet another way. Lord, I know that you cause everything that happens in my life and you use it for your own purpose. And that purpose is always for my own good. So whatever has occurred up until this point, Lord, and whatever will occur in the future, you have worked your hands to create good to come out of it. Because I love you, Lord. And all of it ultimately is to fulfill your eternal, timeless purpose which is to conform me to the image of your Son. For Lord, you foreknew me before I was even born, before I took my first breath. You knew me, and you chose me before I chose you even, before time. You selected me to be yours. And not only that, to be conformed and molded to reflect your Son. The beauties and the glories of Christ. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That he might be my firstborn brother. Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Not only my Lord, not only my Savior, but my older brother. For I have his life. And not only did you predestine me, not only did you call me from before time, but you called me in time, Lord. I heard your voice as a teenager. And by your grace, I responded to it. But that was something that had begun long before I even came on the scene. And not only that, Lord, but you justified me. You made me as just as I, if I had never sinned. You cleansed me from all sin. You forgave me of everything I have ever done to violate your will. You set the margins straight. And Lord, I don't understand this, but you've already glorified me. just hasn't caught up to me yet you know no time you see the beginning from the end you're in the beginning and you're in the end at the same moment thank you for the security Lord that you who have begun a good work in me will finish it and I will be glorified just like your son praise your name all right now that's one way now I'm going to show you another way. And I want you to listen with both sets of ears. He who has ears to hear. I want you to listen with your physical ears, but I want you to listen with your inner ears of your spirit. And I want you to hear the Lord speak to you as an individual. I want you to know that everything that has come into your life 
both good and bad from your perspective, both painful and joyous, both horrible and wonderful, both righteous and evil. Everything that has come into your life has first passed through my hands before it got to you. And I have been behind it all. For I write straight with crooked lines. And I am working and have worked and will work all of those things that you have experienced for your own good. And you may not see it nor realize it, but you will look back and see that I have brought you through it and I have carried you through it and I have used it to work my purpose in you. For I have called you according to my timeless purpose. I saw you before you ever entered into this earth. I foreknew you. And I chose you from before time to be part of my lovely bride. And I have loved you and I love you beyond what you can imagine. And because of that love toward you, you love me as well. And my destiny for you is to conform you into the glorious image of my son. And you are part of him. You are kin to him. I have given you my life. And he now is the firstborn brother to you. I predestined you. I chose you before you ever chose me. I called you before you ever responded to the call. I saw you before I said let. And I made you part of my bride, my family. It is all grace. You're in this room now because of the call and because of my choosing. And I have held you and I have been with you even when you didn't realize it. And I will never leave you nor forsake you for you are mine. And I have justified you. You are without sin in my eyes because of what my son has done. You are in him and you have always been in him. Even before you responded. And I have even glorified you. I have sewed it up before I even began it. I finished it before I ever started it. There is no reason for you to fear. There is no reason for you to worry. I have ended it before I began it, and I have even glorified you in my Son from before time, for He was slain before the foundation of the world. What then shall you say to these things? If I am for you, who can be against you? 
If I'm pulling for you, if I'm on your side, if I'm fighting for you, it doesn't matter who is against you. For I did not spare my own son, my beloved son, I did not spare him, but I delivered him up for you. And since that's true, how is it that I would withhold anything from you? For I will freely give to you all things that you need. You never have to worry. You never have to fret. I may not give you things that you think you need, but I will give you freely all things that you need. Who can bring a charge against you? For you are my own elect. You are my chosen. You are part of me. Who can bring an accusation against you? Who can bring a condemning word against you? The answer is no one, for I have justified you. I have made you perfect. I have made you righteous. I have made you blameless. You cannot be condemned. You can't even be indicted. For my son, Christ Jesus, has died for you. Who then can condemn you? And not only that, but he is right now interceding for you at my right hand. And that never ends. Who will separate you from the love of my son? Tribulation? Hardship? Distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Peril? Sword, yourself, neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing, including you and your own will, shall be able to separate you from my love, which is in my Son believe these words for they are true now i don't know about you but i can give my life to a lord like that if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to the insurgents podcast and give it a five-star review on itunes this will help others find it also you can join frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.